This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for that prophetic song, Declaration. God, I pray that our hearts, our thoughts, Lord, decisions this year, even this day and hour, would establish that design in our walk. That we would walk by faith, that we would literally walk out your fashion of what you called us to be. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today I want to share with you, I was hoping in my personal life, I was hoping to be able to come to you with a message series the Lord's been putting on my heart about heaven. And I also have a whole message series about living the full life. And so I'm realizing that's not what is in me, is what God wants to do. And so this week, we're going to talk about a message talking about transformation, and we're going to be probably on this subject for a few weeks. How can a life take on transformation? Transformation, in fact, um, if you have a study guide, or if you're following along online, or on your smart device, the point is, is that it's living out the life that God has for you. I have met so many Christians and I mean it through the 30-some years of ministry I've been in, are not living out the design God. They're, they're, they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but they're not living out the design. They're not living out the days that God has fashioned for them. So we're going to study a character in the Bible. Um, some of you probably know who he is. Maybe you don't. In Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 37, we're going to go to. And But before we do that, I'm going to read a passage. The intro is in Romans chapter 11. And in Romans 11, we uh, find this place where Paul is trying to help the Roman people understand the calling of God. And there's this space that's in his word where it says, you are not going to understand what he's doing. In fact, even for you to try to figure it out is a huge waste of your time. And many times people today are saying, why did God happen to do this? Why is God? And they're not really recognizing, first of all, there's a spiritual realm out there. First of all, it's God. Second of all, it's the enemy. And from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, which means the book of beginnings, we can learn about God's design, you know, right from the beginning. Number one is God created man in his image, in his image he created us. So we were to live out God's design on planet Earth. And then God gave authority to man. In fact, I love the song that we just sang. God gave authority to man. And that authority was is to make sure, you know, that basically the animals, and, and by, by the way, if you do any study, there, there wasn't, I mean, this may come as a, a big shock to you, there were no uh, flesh eaters in the beginning. 
That's really hard on me. I like to eat, I like to eat my meat, all right? But there was no flesh eaters. It was all vegetarian. And, you know, and so don't say, well, I, that's me. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a vegetarian and I don't eat meat and I must be more godly. No, God has said anything that you give thanks for is edible. Thank you, God. All right, so <laughs> I'm a meat eater. So anyway, the point of it is, is that they were all eating vegetables. Why in the Old Testament that way is because there was no, there was no sin at the beginning. And so there was no sacrifice. There was no death. And the only way you can eat meat is there's got to be death. So there was nothing that would go on so in, in, in that realm. So through sin, it created death. And the Bible even says that all sin leads to death. And so what happened was is that God gave Adam and he put him in charge in this authority to operate in life. We never were supposed to function in death. And that's why 2020 has been a really hard year for a lot of us, because we've seen a lot of death. We were never supposed to function with it. That was never, in, never intended from God for us to ever, ever have to walk. And thank God that one day, one hour, you know, in the, you know, in the near future, we'll never have to deal with death again. Okay, because God is the author of life. He's not the author of death. Man was the author of death because he sinned. We created death. We created sorrow. We allowed all this to happen. In fact, God says, I give you authority, you know, and that so that Adam was given this authority, he was not supposed to let Satan in the garden. Lucifer, deception, sickness, you know what? Loose, all the stuff that happened coming in the garden. Adam should have said, get thee out of my garden. Get thee out of my wife's head. Get out of the space that God has given me. You have no place here. You're trespassing. Get out. But because Adam didn't do that, here we are talking about how to have redemption. And by the way, if Adam hadn't sinned and Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, the message we would have had today, we still would have had temples. We still would have had a holy place to give. But the message today would be much different. But because of all of that, the message that we're, in, we're receiving today is encouragement in the redemptive plan to bring us back to the way God always wanted it to be. And so today, talking about that, so how does God bring back that redemptive thing? It's called transformation. And by the way, transformation doesn't happen without pain. The Bible says that he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So, we're going to talk a little bit about, it. I'm not a, a, a person that just, hey, I want to wake up in the morning, I just hope I suffer today. I mean, it's just, I'm just, I, I, I awaken for one thought, the alarm, I, I want to, woo, today I get to suffer. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not suffering for suffering's sake, but I'm going to tell you something, when I can tell my body, no, and my spirit goes, oh, finally, we got space to work in. Or I can say yes to my body and my spirit goes, great, another hour where I'm sitting here grieved, quenched, and resisted. It's important for us to realize that God is allowing a lot of these situations, just like he allowed the enemy to tempt Jesus, he allowed the enemy to come into Adam's garden, but what God intended to happen, like he did with Jesus, says, get behind me, Satan. What Adam should have done is, get behind me, Satan. And because he never did that, we are now have to operate in this thing called the redemptive work of God. This music talks about it. This message talks about it. But let me tell you something. You got to get it on the inside of your life. 
Redemption doesn't work on the outside first. It works on the inside first. And Paul was talking to the Roman people because they didn't get it. They were like us. We compare ourselves all the time. Ladies, I watch you guys. You look up and down at everybody else and seeing somebody over there. Boy, they, they wear that dress better than I can wear that. They're just, that's what ladies do. Guys do the same thing. I mean, literally, my, 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 my son, just the other day, he goes, there's the alpha male in Whitehall, Michigan. He's driving right now a, uh, I think it's a 2020 Duramax with a six-inch lift with size 22 wheels, and he is the alpha male in, the, in Whitehall. He's talking about a huge truck. That doesn't make you the alpha male, all right? But anyway, the point of it is, is his imagery because he thinks of it in the idea of a truck that we drive. We aren't what we drive. We aren't what we look like. We aren't how much money we have or how much money we don't have. We're not what, because we're in the hospital, we're not in the hospital. We are in the image of God, in the image of God he's created us to be. And God wants that salvation to get so alive in us, it gets outside of us. And here's these Roman people, they, they, they don't understand. He goes, how can God's people, the Jewish people, be so lost? And they, it confused them. And Paul's writing to them, and I don't want to go into Romans 11 on that, teach you a whole bunch of that. I want to talk about the very end of Romans 11. So we're going to pick up, I believe it's verse 33 in Romans 11. Oh, how great are God's riches. And wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he, he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Now, I wanted to get to Romans 12 to begin with, but I can't get there without reading the last part of Romans 11 because look what it says. It goes, and so. Why does it say and so? Because of what it just said in Romans 11. And so, because of what it just said in Romans 11, it says, don't get so caught up in what's going on in other people's lives. Get caught up with what God can do in your life. Thank you. Get caught up with what God can do in your life. Isn't it funny? So many of us are going over there. We, you know what? But why can they get on the worship team and why can't I? Or, or, or why does it seem like things that go on, they're getting promoted and I'm not getting promoted? And, and, and why is it they're going better for them? We get so caught up in what go, what's going on in somebody else's life instead of what God can do in and through our lives. Romans 12. So what can you do? If I'm not going to be so lost and so jealous or envious or strifeful or whatever, you know, what's going on in somebody else's life, what should I do, Pastor Ron? Well, God's word says it very clear. And so, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. How do you do that? Well, it explains it. This is truly the way to worship in. Don't copy the behavior, the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's pray. Father, Lord, it's so hard to read perfect, to talk about perfect, being in such an imperfect person. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you could mix it up. I know that Rob and the team is doing a good job trying to mix the sound, but we spiritually need you to mix it up. 
and that it would come pure in our hearts, that we would be transformed, that your power would trans, that truth would transform our lives from the inside out, that we would be the redemptive work, that, Lord, the way it was supposed to be, that we would talk. The way it was supposed to be, we would react. The way it's always intended to be, God, that we would think. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you have your study guys there, number one, I went and I kind of broke it up into a few points here. Stop letting your circumstances dictate who you are. Stop letting what's going on in the outside of your life. That's not who you are. Okay? It's not who you are you are. And we're going to kind of go through a storyline. We're going to break it through. But if you would, please take some time in your own uh, week to go through Genesis 37 through 45. And and the reason I share that in in, in one of those chapters, I believe it's chapter uh, 38, um, that is all of a sudden it goes into a a storyline of Judah. So, So it's really chapter 37, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, and then chapter 45. But all of those chapters, chapter 37, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, were really so that 45 could happen. And I believe that many times we don't allow the chapters of God to to transform our life, and we wonder why we're not having victory, that God has already seen chapter 45 in your life. He already sees it. He calls it into existence. He's got songs to sing over your life. He's empowered you. He's given you all the things that you need, but so many times we lose our focus, and we lose because our circumstances get us down. And remember, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. So you can't, you're not going to experience the chapter that God has in your life, even if your circumstances are down, because the only way to experience it is if you're thankful. You're only going to get it unless you are thankful. And so in chapter 37, we're going to find out about a a young man named Joseph. And Joseph has a dream. And, and you know, what happens is he's got so much on the inside of his life, he just, he starts sharing it. And he's not, he's 13 years old. I mean, how smart are you going to be when you're 13 years old, right? He's not not too bright, all right? And and he's got all these things that share, but something's going on in the inside. And so he just wants to tell his older brothers. That's what any younger brother would want to do. And and his older brothers, what happened, just like what older brothers doing, they're always wanting to crush you and push, you know, you're still younger and stuff. Anyway, uh, you're, you're down on the, the basically that understanding that you're under, and that's what older brothers try to do is keep you under. And isn't it funny that God always seemed to take, he always seems to promote the younger to the older over? There's a reason for that. It's because don't look at the flesh. But look at what's going on in the inside. Time and time and time again, God takes those same scenarios so that we wouldn't look at the way man looks at things We would look at things the way God wants us to look at things. So chapter 37, verse 1, I'm going to pick up. So Jacob settled again. Jacob is uh, Joseph's um, dad, and he's got 12 sons, Joseph being the youngest of them. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Silpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. We all know where that's going. Jacob loved Joseph more than any other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So we got Joseph tattletaling, and we got dad showing favoritism. This thing is a bound to blow up. 
So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. In comparison, what they wore back in that day was really, basically a lot of times they would tell you who he was. So basically what that would say is, guys, um, you know, I have... Uh, three sons and four daughters. So that would mean that what I could do is, um, my youngest son is Nick. I'm not sure if he's in the house right now, but I would buy him a brand new Corvette. And of course, all his older brothers would love me for that. How, if I had bought my youngest son a brand new Corvette, now I mean, not just something nice, but the nicest thing out there, okay? And then, all the, and then everybody else as well. So that's exactly what we're looking at is that the, these brothers are looking at this such favoritism, and we're not, you know, you'd look at, well, that's just a coat. No, to hit to that, to those brothers, that's like a Corvette. Okay, so it was a, a very, very big deal. And what we find in this is that Joseph has something that God's doing. Even though all the stuff on the outside, even though all the stuff on the outside with you is maybe a little bit tremulous term, and, and crazy, God has got something on the inside, a design, something he wants to fashion, he wants to get out of our lives, and the only way he's going to bring that is if your character is ready for it, okay? And so here's what Joseph, we worked for his half-brothers, and he... Um, and then the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah, but Joseph reported to his fathers some of the bad things. We find in verse four, but his brothers hated Joseph because of this coat, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. Listen to the dream. We are out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him even the more because of his dreams and the way he talked. Verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers, listen, I had another one. He said, they're probably, can't wait, love the first one. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, Joseph? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come bow, come and bow to the ground before you? But there's, see, you, you can sit there and get caught up in the story and get all emotional with it, but you miss verse 11. Look at verse 11 says, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. I believe that it shouldn't just be our father or mother or whatever. There's something inside of us. Even though it's being expressed crazy or, or maybe a little bit uh, edgy or whatever, but God has got something on the inside of every one of our lives, and it should make us ponder what God wants to do instead of letting our jealousy and our envy and our strife and all the things of this world that seem to be louder than the truth and dream that God puts in us. I'm going to jump to verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him, so now we're a little farther in the story, they hate him. Coming, and they're far off doing this, basically uh, uh, moving their, their animal, their flocks, their shepherds, and they're trying to find pasture, and they're quite a ways away. Joseph goes to find them on his dad's um, actions, or what his dad wanted him to do. Joseph's brothers saw him coming. They recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer. They said, come, let's kill him. Throw him into one of these cisterns. We will tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of that dream. 
But when Reuben, which is the oldest of the 12, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. He said, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return to him and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him, threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up, saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelites, traders, taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, he's in the middle. Judah's one of the middle brothers. What will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood, and his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were the Midianite lead traders, came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the dream, and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Egypt. Now, what I'm going to do now is jump to chapter 39. So now chapter 37 is laying this storyline of favoritism, and it's, a, it's messy as a family, and there's, uh, but yet there's a dream of God on the inside of this young man. And he doesn't know how to express it. He's, he's doing it messy. All right? Chapter 39, we get to a little bit further understanding. Now he's sold into slavery. He's sold to Potiphar. Now Potiphar is basically the general of Pharaoh's army. Okay, so he's, he's a man of means, he's a man of authority. All right, in verse one it says, so when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmael traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guards of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now I'm gonna pick up verse two through five, I believe it's on the screen. The Lord was with Joseph. This is what I want you to understand. When you're in your workplace, God is with you. Okay, when you're in the hospital, He's with you. Now, if you, if, you, if you literally even got diagnosed with COVID or whatever, the Lord is, I can't hear you. The Lord is with you. Now, Joseph is going through some really unfair, some terminalist times, but the Lord is, is with him. The Lord is with him. So he, he was succeeded in everything he did as he served the home in his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So, as he, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. What does that mean? Is that whenever, wherever you work, wherever you live, Whatever you're doing, the Lord is with you, and there, if you will allow, instead of you allow the God that's inside of you, there's going to be favor that comes out of your life. Even though some unfavorable events have happened, God wants to bring his presence through your life. He wants to show you who he is. But so many of us are going, we're so bent on the frustration of our circumstances. This guy is sold into slavery. He's literally now sold to Potiphar's wife. He's now underneath a man. He's got a master in his life. And yet he's not sitting there murmuring and complaining about his situation. He's allowing the favor of God to work in any space that he's in. So if you're on, all of a sudden you move from day shift to night shift, you say, you know what? God's favor is in your life and it wants to work on the night shift. 
Amen or oh me, all right? God's favor wants to work through your life. Say, Pastor, it's easier said than done. No, it's exactly what I did do. I worked at Steelcase and literally got put on night shift. So what I did on the day shift is I had a small group, and you know what I did on the night shift? I did a small group. We did a Bible study. A favor, if favor works on day shift, favor works on the night shift. Wherever God is going to bring you, you got to let the God, God's power, his favor, work through your life. Now, what happens is, is Joseph is 17 years old. He's sold into slavery. He's sold into these, un, these unfavorable situation. But what happens is, is that Satan can't get his attitude down, so he brings temptation in his path. We're going to get to this point in just a minute. First of all, don't complain about your circumstances. Don't ever complain about your circumstances because God wants to show up in your circumstance. He wants to show his favor. And then if you don't complain about your circumstances, then what Satan will do is bring temptation in your path. All right? Potiphar's wife notices that Joseph is good looking and says, in fact, we're going to pick up right here in verse 10. It's on the screen. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept on his way, as, he kept out of her way as much as possible. Gentlemen, ladies, how about our lives? Pornography tries to hit you day after day. Can you keep that out of your life? Joseph did. Joseph did. Kept it out of his life. And let me tell you something right now. You will never see the favor of God. Now, God will never leave you or forsake you. But you won't see the favor of God until you can say no to your flesh. You will not see the favor and the power of God until you can start saying no to your flesh. The Bible says that all sin is pleasurable for a season. God is not saying that it's not pleasurable, but when you go over there and fulfill the pleasures of your flesh, let me tell you something, it will lead to death in your walk. Not a physical death, but it'll lead to a marital, it'll lead to a financial, it'll lead to some form of death in your life. And the Bible says, he who is, he who is ceased from sin, okay, he was going to know that, which means he who suffered in the flesh has ceased, which means saying, Joseph said, I'm saying no to that because God has something better for my life than that. I'm saying no to that because God has something in the future. I say no to the moment in front of me so the yes for the future that's in front of me. That's what we need to be as Christians. And so many times we are trained to fulfill everything that we want in the hour that we're living. That's not God's plan. God's not after fixing the events in your life. He's after building the character in your life. That's what God wants for you. He's designing a character on the inside of your life. I wish I could tell you that that's all the bad that happened in Joseph's life. But uh, what happens is he, Potiphar's wife grabs, I mean, keep pushing. She pulls him aside, gets him alone, and literally rips off his, basically his garment. And he's running naked away from her. And then she accused him of something he never did. And now he's getting, Potiphar believes his adulterous wife instead of his favored son, his favored you know, servant, and throws him in prison. And so now you find with Joseph going, what the world? I did everything right, and why isn't anything? Come on, I can hear so many Christians going, I'm doing it all right, Pastor Ron, and it's still turning to crap. You know what I mean? What's going on? 
And I'm going to tell you something, because God is still working his favor. He's still working out the dream. He's still building the character inside of your walk because there's something more alive on the inside and there's something greater on the inside. Because let me tell you something, if you can't handle the pressure today, then you'll never deal with a ruler tomorrow. Satan wants to rule over your life. I love verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Here we go again. This guy's in prison now again. And the Lord was with him in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite and a prison warden. Before, the, uh, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Why? Because Joseph chose character rather than experience and events in his life. Number two, who you are is not how things are on the outside. Who you are is not how things are on the outside, but who God is building on the inside. You are his masterpiece. He is developing, designing a plan. In fact, Psalms 51, we find this place, and sometimes it's hard to get truth on the inside of our life. David finds himself in, in adultery, and then he is a murderer. I mean, this David is a king. He not only does he commit adultery, but then he commits murder to hide the adultery. And the point I'm trying to make is this, that, is that what we don't really see in, in the scripture is really what, what happened so much. It wasn't just the sin. It was what happened after the sin. David lost consciousness of the spirit of God in his life. All of us sin. I do, you do. And what happened was is the same prophet that told David to go store up riches to build the temple was the same prophet that came knocking on David's door and said, hey, uh, you really lost your way. And reveals the truth to him. He says, you're an adulterer, you're a murderer. And then David has a change of heart. David didn't even know. He was going down a pathway that wasn't even conscious of what God was in his life. Remember what we just read with this, where Joseph was? He said that he had the presence of God. David didn't even recognize the presence of God was no longer effectively working anymore. And I love Psalms 51. Every one of us should be so thankful for Psalms. Because it's not what we are. It's, it's not the faithfulness that we are or not. It's the faithfulness of who God is. He is faithful when we aren't. In Psalms 51, verse 6, I'm reading from Amplified. Behold, God, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part of my heart, you will make me know wisdom. See, sometimes it takes a lot to get a truth inside of your heart. It takes a lot. You know, we, we find Christians a lot of times, and you, maybe yourself, I, I know I see myself, it's easy to, you know, blab it and grab it and, you know, and claim it. and, and all. You can talk the talk. We can talk the Christian walk all we want. But until we go through a circumstance that tries to rip it out of our heart, that's when we walk the walk. It's when we're tested on what we really believe. Recently in my own um, prayer time, the Lord revealed something to me that's, and I, I don't have time to go into it, but he revealed something to me that's pretty, a, a huge spiritual truth. In Ephesians, it says that we, we are, we're spiritually strong to take down these, we can take down principalities and powers and rulers and hosts of wickedness. And God said, 
Ron, when you're done hosting wickedness in your life, then you'll be ready to deal with a ruler. That went, it hit me like a brick. I thought, how many times we host? And what I mean is Satan's like a parasite. In fact, demons are parasitical. They don't have bodies to work through. So they connive and manipulate and try to work through our lives and work the lawlessness in our life. And so we become a host to what their, their lawless deeds are. And so God says, when you can say no to every host of wickedness, now I'm gonna raise you up and start dealing with the rulers that are literally pinpointing where wickedness goes. And again, I don't wanna go into all of that, but God wants us to get to the point where we are never hosting any lawless thoughts, acts, or any kind of measure. We can say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Number four, a transformed life finds strength from within. Saying no to the wrong is saying yes to God. And saying yes to wrong is saying no to God. In Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 to 26, it says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeing pressures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his great reward. Number five, your life will take on new beginnings and greater meaning when you surrender it. When you surrender your walk, 1 Peter 5 says this way, of course your, your former friends are surprised when you no longer want to party like them, no longer to want to talk like them or act like them. They don't want to, they, they, they sit there and go, when they invite you into their wild and destructive ideas and schemes and you say, no. But remember, God says, that they will leave and they don't have the face of God in front of them. They don't have that face. They don't have that God. God's presence is what you long for. God's light is what you want to fall into and, and literally line up to. The other day I was with my wife and we we're praying together. And I'm going, honey, can you feel his presence? She goes, yes. I go, that's, I wish I could pray with everybody and just help them connect with his presence because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And yet I know so many people that when they pray, they never ever have that space. God wants you to. In fact, one of the reasons that we have this altar here is so that you can start learning how to press through that. No matter what I face, and I have faced moments in my life, death, stillborn babies. I have faced children being divorced. I have faced uh, lies and my son, my oldest son literally in my wife and all of a sudden the doctor says he's dead. I have faced things in my life that I am so thankful that I didn't look here for answers. But I had enough knowing of who he is inside and the promises were alive and I realized the favor of God and goes, that's not God speaking, although that may be circumstantially and maybe your monitor says that, but there's a bigger monitor, there's something a little bit larger in life that's going on on the inside and so I choose this monitor here and not that monitor there. 
And yet I see so many people that will choose to monitor out there and not to monitor in here. Number six, it says, transform lives, realize the pressures outside, bring God's will inside. And so I want to close in this thought process here. I kind of went through Joseph's story a little bit fast. That's why I want you to study it out. So what we find is, is that Joseph is sold into slavery because of a lie that Potiphar's wife accuses him, her. She accuses him. Then he's in the jail, and God's presence and favor is in his life. And there is two people that Pharaoh sends into prison. There's a wine tester, and there's a baker. And they have dreams. And Joseph interprets those dreams. And so now again, this is all in the presence of 13 years. We're not talking about 13 hours. We're not talking about 13 days or 13 months. We're talking about the process of 13 years. And what happens is, is that he interprets their dreams. We're 11 years into the plan so far. And all he asks, I think it's a reasonable request. Hey, um, I know you're getting out in three days in prison here. Can you tell others about me, what happened to you? And can you just tell some others? I think that'd be reasonable. I mean, he, he's having this, literally this heroic interpretation of dreams for their life. And they forget. So now he's two years more in the prison. And then Pharaoh has a dream. And in that dream, his all of the world can interpret it. And all of a sudden, the wine tester has light bulb moment. He goes, hey, I, I'm, I really can remember my sin right now. I, there was a guy that really asked me to tell you about him, uh, but now I'm going to tell you about it. He, he interprets dreams. And Joseph comes out and interprets the dream and, and becomes second in command. You, Cinderella's story, and we all love those moments, right? But what about the 13 years that Joseph was in the fire? And I'll tell you why. It's because it was building the character, and it's not just my interpretation, because the Bible says exactly that. So we're going to pick up in two more uh, verses, or I should say two more scripture uh, readings. One is in chapter 45, Genesis. And Joseph is having this moment with his brothers. Remember when he said in, in Genesis 37, he says, I see all you guys bowing down to me. Well, we're having that moment now, chapter 45. But Joseph isn't going, I told you so. Man, I tell you what, sometimes that really relieves some of the frustration in our life. I told, and God, that's not what God ever does. Verse five, but don't be upset, Rose. Don't be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your life. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years, that will last five more, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you, and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of Egypt. Psalms 105, I think, even gives a little more descriptive. Verse 17, then God sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Ahead of who? Jacob and all his brothers. 
His name was Joseph, who was sold as a slave. What did they do? They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Why? Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's, write it, say it with me, character. God isn't after fixing your events. He's after your character that's developed through the events. He longs for you to rise up and be the Adam and the Eve that you were redeemed to be. That you would say no to your flesh and you'd say yes to God. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved, ask for prayer, share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.